Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Okay, good to go. Do that. Like Sky does. All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome to a special collab episode between the Commish Fantasy Football Podcast and the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, better known as the TCK Pod. I'm sitting here with my boys, Sky Guasco and Lucas Kaser of the TCK Pod, and of course, with Josh McDonough of the Commish Pod. I am your co-host, Chris Benavides with the Commish Fantasy Podcast. Boys, we are going to get into a nice special episode, breaking down fantasy football playoff strength of schedules the true strength of the excuse me the true strength of schedule for uh let's say the collaboration that we've been putting our hands on over the past let's say i don't know beginning of the season and really only have done one episode from there but this is kind of where i think the rubber meets the road right is where people want to hear about what the playoff schedule looks like for their matchups coming up in the uh in let's say the week 14 15 and 16 areas uh for the season so Here's, I, I told you guys before the pod that we were going to start this off with a, a small story as to why this might matter, okay? So if anybody that's been following the Commish podcast knows uh, our co-host Eric, uh, you know, brings the humor, brings a lot of the uh, sort of the, the quick-witted sarcasm. Let's just say Eric, uh, he knows his stuff. I know that we kind of, we joke around a little bit on the Commish pod, but he knows his stuff and I'll, I'll kind of put this in the context of what we're going to discuss today. Last season... Eric, who had Nick Chubb and Miles Sanders, decides to sit Nick Chubb in week 16 after Nick Chubb goes and blows up the Arizona Cardinals in week 15 for 127 yards and a touchdown, decides to sit Nick Chubb in the championship game while he played the Baltimore Ravens. Now, if you guys remember, that matchup last season was was horrific to any running back that came across uh, – the Baltimore Ravens. And so when push comes to shove, is the running back a must start invincible? Like a Dalvin cook would be this season or is the defense that good? Eric decides Nick Chubb isn't bulletproof slides in miles Sanders in the championship game. Miles Sanders against Dallas goes 77 yards, a touchdown, five receptions, 77 yards in the air. Eric proceeds to win his championship based on that decision. So all of that matters is because we're going to get into actual stats the true, the true strength of schedule for the 2020 uh, playoffs and why it matters because we have some what we would consider bulletproof starts, maybe, against really tough matchups. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm here with the boys to talk about what that could look like for uh, your team moving into the playoffs. So, boys, long story short, nice to have you on. I think it's about time we get into, uh, get into some of these numbers. How are we doing tonight? I'm doing well, man. Chris, it's always good to be on TCK Potters. We got to collab with the Commish crew. You know how we do this. We're both repurposing the episodes. So uh, shouts out to the entire team, uh, Lucas and Josh as well. Uh, we did use this for our 300th episode on the TCK pod a couple weeks ago. The four of us were on to introduce this idea of the true strength of schedule. And again, Josh did such a great job of introducing it last time. I'd like you to do that again in one second to remind the listeners what we're actually after here. And I do have a couple quick notes. I mean, right off the bat, when I look at quarterbacks, I do have a few notes. So after Josh gets into it, I'll get into quarterbacks and just kind of mention a couple of guys that are up in the air. But basically what we're trying to do here, listeners, is help you 
get into your playoffs and work on more or less streamers, especially at quarterback and tight end and DST, running backs and receivers. You got what you got with trade deadlines gone, but at the quarterback, tight end and DSTs, we're looking at waiver wire pickups. We're looking at streamers. We're looking at stashing people and we want to give you uh, the best options to potentially go forward and maybe save some time and stick away from the auto starts, if you will, the guys that you're going to play automatically. But as Chris just said, it took brass for Eric to, to bench Nick Chubb and go Miles yep. Sanders. But look, it paid out. A quick story on my end, a bunch of years ago, this is probably five years ago now or so, A.J. Green was in his prime. Stephon Diggs was a rookie for the Vikings. He was on fire, but, you know, hit or miss. And I had to start your studs, start your studs, start your studs. I needed like seven points or something ridiculous in a PPR league to go to the championship or win the championship. I can't remember. I had a start-sit decision. I went with um, A.J. Green over Stephon Diggs. A.J. Green had like a catch for seven yards or something ridiculous. And Stephon Diggs blew up for like 150 yards and two touchdowns or whatever. And I just never let it down. So now you have to put your emotions aside, put the rest of the season aside, really play week to week at this point of the season. So I'm excited for this episode. And it's really good to rejoin you guys. Definitely, dude. Yeah, and appreciate that. And it really does come down to this, right? It comes down to, okay, the numbers have said, it's almost kind of like, you know, Sky, you and I are baseball guys. All the stats go out the window when you're in the ninth inning with two outs, uh, you know, with the run to win. It doesn't, at this point, you know, you really got to play who you think is the best player based on the team that you have in front of you, based on the matchups. Like, and, and that's kind of the way it is. You can't afford any uh, you know, additional, uh, uh, let's say, mismanagement from your team. So this is kind of what, what it gets down to. And this is why we brought in the numbers guys, Josh and Lucas, to talk about uh, what this means. So Josh, maybe you can start us off. Give us a quick recap as to the project as a whole and the point of this particular episode, again, maybe just to reiterate what Sky said. All right, so when we take a step back and look at this whole project, one thing that we want to look at is strength of schedule and does it matter? So in May, June, July, you're going to hear a lot of talk about strength of schedule. How is that going to impact your draft strategy? And that's one thing we want to look at, but in order to get there, there's a lot more that we have to dig into. So if you go onto Yahoo and you look right now at the Green Bay Packers and their schedule, they might be playing Detroit, for example, and it might say that Detroit is the third best matchup for running backs. And the way Yahoo's going to calculate that is they're going to say Detroit has given up the third most points to running backs, which, you know, that's great. That's fantastic. But who has Detroit played? Has Detroit had to go against Aaron Jones twice? Have they had to play against Alvin Kamara or a Zeke or a Dalvin Cook twice? That's not what Yahoo is considering when they put together these numbers. So what we're looking at is we're looking at their competition, how many points their competition would score on average, and comparing that to how many points Detroit has given up to that competition. So if Dalvin Cook in general, on average, scores 20 fantasy points, and Detroit holds him to 18, 18 points is a lot to give up to a running back. But if it's Dalvin Cook, is it really that much? No, it's a great performance by Detroit's defense. So that's really what we're considering when we're, when we're digging into this true strength of schedule. It's who are you playing and how have you played against them, not just how many points have you given up to a position. Yep, fair point. Lucas, anything to add to that? No, I just think last time, basically what we said was the, the range of outcomes or the, the what you can expect um, for – insert any player, a baseline player 
20 Travis Kelsey's into your lineup against 20 different teams, you would expect that sort of range of outcomes compared to what they normally average. So more just a tool to gauge, um, I guess, boom, bust, you could say, but there's still obviously more within that. But Josh covered it pretty good. Awesome. Very good. All right. So before we get into the actual, uh, let's say, categorical breakdowns, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, DST, just a note, we are going to put this in a published article form as well. So there will be some written content to back up this episode. We're going to have this on the commission uh, uh, website, and we'll also have, have this on the TCK website as well. Uh, so look forward to that. We're going to consider this a pod plus article. So you'll have the audio plus the visual breakdown. So for those of you who are listening, who want more of a visual breakdown, we will have that available for you guys. So um, if, there's, if there's nothing else, boys, let's jump into the categorical breakdowns here quarterback sky guasco you want to take a silver uh quarterback weight yeah so again there's going to be some auto starts right and at quarterback and at tight end and at dst not so much dst outside of maybe pittsburgh or so um or the saints right now but auto start for sure like travis kelsey is basically the only one darren waller mark andrews those kind of guys you have to play because it's tight end and at quarterback there's guys like you know, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, for the most part, Daniel, uh, or excuse me, Josh Allen, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, even without Fuller, I think he's still an auto start in the playoffs, Patrick Mahomes, yada, yada. So those are the guys that are kind of automatic. So we're going to not get into them as much, maybe in running backs and wide receiver instances, because let's take the Saints, not to jump ahead too far, but if the Saints wide receiver core, Michael Thomas is automatic, but is Emmanuel Sanders, Traquan Smith, some of these other guys, we'll talk through some of those. Something I noticed right away, and then there's certain quarterbacks and tight ends that you just don't want to play at all, right? The situation in Denver, the situation in um, Philadelphia potentially right now with Carson Wentz, the situation in Cincinnati, we're staying away from those. Now, there's five names here that are ones I want to throw to the team here and, and kind of discuss with you guys. These are five players that I think are kind of that board. Now, in super flex leagues, you're playing them probably every week. But in single quarterback leagues, these are guys that are on that bubble. You probably rank them during the week. You rank them at maybe 13 to like 18, maybe 20, um, or even in your top 12. So there's five names I want to bring up to you guys and just kind of cherry pick a little bit and see how you feel about them because, A, they're weekly starters for the most part. B, their schedules. And what we're looking at here is their schedules for week 14, 15, and 16 primarily. We did include week 17. For those of you still playing week 17s, but all of us will tell you, do not play your championship in week 17. There's many reasons to that. It's maybe a whole other episode. The short version is a lot of players get benched because they're getting ready for the playoffs and healthy, especially this season. So try not to get into league with the championship in week 17. I digress. Week 14, 15, 16. So the five players are, and I'll go through their schedules here in a little bit. I'm going to throw to you guys. Jared Goff of the Rams. Daniel Jones, assuming he's healthy. He's got a hammy issue, should be missing this week. Uh, coming up, but he should be good for the playoffs. Jimmy Garoppolo, Tom Brady, and Ryan Tannehill. So those are all five guys that I'm comfortable usually streaming and playing with a good matchup, but I'm also not afraid to sit them if they're not in a good uh, uh, matchup. If you listen to TCK Pod all summer long, Lucas and I were adamant about not drafting Deshaun Watson, not drafting Daniel Jones. We beat you over the head with it because of the schedule, and sure enough, they were terrible. But we did say in the second half in the playoffs, it lightens up. Sure enough, here we are. Let's start with Jared Goff. He gets the Patriots in week 14. Not great, but they're, you know, they're a bottom 10 defense. We don't like that. But 
they're not the Patriots of old. But then he has the Jets and the Seattle Seahawks, who were the worst against quarterbacks in Week 16. If you play Week 17, he's got Arizona. I love that. Daniel Jones, he gets the Cardinals. He gets the Browns. The Ravens, we don't like in the championship, but if you play Week 17, he's got the Cowboys, all top 10 matchups. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, um, Washington football team, not amazing, but kind of middle of the pack at Dallas, at Arizona, in Seattle in Week 17. All of those top 10 matchups. Tom Brady, Minnesota, not crazy, but a beat-up secondary. Atlanta twice in the final two weeks, and Detroit in the championship. Love that. And Ryan Tannehill, Jacksonville in Week 15, uh, Week 14, and the Detroit, Green Bay, and Houston, 15, 16, and 17. I'm not really afraid of any of those matchups outside of Baltimore or maybe Green Bay in Lambeau in that championship game. So, boys, um, we could pop in here. I just want to kind of cover this. Do you think that these are the type of players we're looking at for this episode because they're on the fringe? We have the autos. We have the guys we're not going to play. I want to look and focus at the middle of the pack where we're actually making decisions because these are the type of guys where Chris brought up with Eric earlier with Miles Sanders over Nick Chubb. It sounds insane, but if you end up, for example, if you end up playing Jared Goff in the championship versus Seattle and you, say, bench Lamar Jackson if he's not playing right versus the Giants, who have actually been pretty good um, defensive entirely, your whole league is going to laugh you out of the room. But in that particular instance, for one single week, that might be the best move. It's going to make you sick to pull the trigger on that, but it might be the best move, so you're going to have to call on that. So let's talk about Jared Goff. Uh, Daniel Jones, Jimmy Garoppolo, Tom Brady, and Ryan Tannehill. All right, so I'll jump in on Jared Goff here, right? Um, here's the thing with Jared Goff. If, he, if you could survive week 14 with Jared Goff, you're looking great with the Jets and the Seahawks in 15 and 16. And I'm currently of the mindset, and I might have a little bias because I have my big money league, but I'm currently of the mindset that Jared Goff against the Patriots is not as bad of a matchup as it looks. And the reason for that is that when you look at the Patriots defense as a whole, they love to take away the number one threat on the team. They dial in on the DeAndre Hopkins or the Darren Waller, whoever it is, and they take that number one option out. For Jared Goff and the Rams, there is no number one option. It's Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. And then you see Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett at tight end. And then you incorporate Josh Reynolds, who's had a few games. you got Cam Makers catching balls out of the backfield for Jared Goff. I personally love Jared Goff's playoff schedule. Um, I think he is the kind of guy that you're willing to start. I would, while he's playing against a top 10 defense, I feel, still think he is a low-end quarterback one in week 14, and then a mid to high-end quarterback one going forward after that. So that's a guy I really like. The San Francisco situation I'm avoiding. Um, I don't know that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be back for the fantasy football playoffs. If he is not, I personally will not be playing Nick Mullins. I also had some pretty high hopes. I'm sorry, Sky actually traded for Nick Mullins in a dynasty league. I didn't give up too much, but um, I was willing to give it a shot. I'd stay away from San Francisco regardless of their schedule. I don't think whoever the quarterback is will have George Kittle, and I think he's really what makes this offense churn. Debo Samuel has played pretty well. Brandon Ayuk has played pretty well. But if you don't have George Kittle, I'm just afraid that somebody's going to lock him down. It's just a little too risky. And what's the upside? At the end of the day, is Jimmy Garoppolo ever going to be the quarterback one on a week? Probably not. So I'm going to avoid San Francisco, but I'm going all in on the LA Rams in the playoffs. Yeah, I love that, dude. 
I want to make one more. I want to make one more note here about the uh, Rams and Jared Goff specifically because, um, Josh, I'm I'm definitely on the same page with you. I think it's actually a better matchup than most because they do have the two number one options and Higby, um, maybe even Gerald Everett. Plus, they're just trying this run game relentlessly, whether we like it or not. Um, Also, uh, and we're not mentioning every home game because that's just you know going to take a lot of in depth uh, discussion. But that particular matchup that Josh mentioned, if you can outlast. Jared Goff in week 14 that is in LA so a the Patriots are flying across the country which is basically the longest flight you can make in the NFL from Massachusetts down to Los Angeles um and you know the the Rams are at home and we know that Jared Goff traditionally over the last couple years has been a much better quarterback at home so I agree with you man and then the Jets in Seattle and Arizona I think is a is a great matchup uh Lucas or Chris anything else to add to these particular quarterbacks or any other quarterbacks I hadn't mentioned yet yeah, I was just going to mention the Daniel Jones play. Uh, not in love with the situation that he currently has. I know that the matchups, particularly his first two matchups in week 14 or 15 against Arizona and Cleveland, uh, tend to look good uh, just based on the strength of schedule that we have here. Both are in the top 10 against, which means that they're good technical plays. But I just don't like the idea uh, of Daniel Jones' upside. And I think by that point, if you're going to start a QB1 uh, for that week, uh, you know, Daniel Jones' high side is giving you low 20s at best. I mean, he's averaging maybe somewhere around 14 to 15 points on the season. Uh, both teams are very keen to turnovers. So for whatever it's worth, they might give up a lot of yards and points, but both teams have a lot of takeaways. So I, I like the athleticism to sort of, let's say, overmatch Daniel Jones and his potential uh, questionable you know, marker that he has as a designation every week. So not necessarily a fan of, of playing Daniel Jones for week 14 uh, and 15 in the playoffs. Yeah, I think not really any like uh, points to add on any of the quarterbacks. I think a couple of things that might kind of be relevant um, this upcoming week just to watch would be Derek Carr has a pretty easy week 15 and 16. He might get dropped this week based on what happened last year. So that could be a stash that you might need to. Uh, and Jalen Hurts, I know we talked about it just to kind of monitor if he's worth picking up in super flex leagues. But I mean, we're recording this while watching the Eagles game, especially now uh, make sure you, you might have to play him. I mean, especially because he gets um, Arizona and Dallas the final two weeks. And another thing too, is a lot of these, I think more so than ever this year, a lot of these games, especially with the 17 playoff are actually going to matter to a certain capacity to where teams are going to have to try a little more. Where in the past you see by week 16, ish that these guys are just kind of giving up because they're not in the playoffs um so just keep that in mind too when you're kind of looking at kind of these on the fence uh qb1 matchups there might be a little bit more motivation for these teams i want to double up on lucas's point really quickly and uh with Derek carr getting dropped and maybe jalen hurts is somebody to look at let's not forget about drew Brees, who potentially could have been dropped in 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 uh shorter bench leagues uh he should be returning just in time for playoffs um also, the only teams left that have a bye, nobody this week in week 12, uh, or week 13, rather, have a bye. Um, but, uh, or, excuse me, I'm going to say that again. Nobody had a week, uh, bye week last week in week 12. Two teams, the Buccaneers and the Panthers, have a bye week this week in week 13. So keep an eye on Tom Brady and Teddy Bridgewater. Again, not the sexiest plays, but I did just talk about Tom Brady potentially having some upside matchups, streamers, certainly super flex options. Um, maybe getting dropped as well. So again, 
the waiver wires are kind of dwindling quickly, but there is like one more week to look at at all positions because of some injuries, COVID players returning. We do have those bye weeks with the Panthers and the Buccaneers to monitor. So again, let's think outside the box, think above where the rest of your league is at. Don't look at face value all the time. Think behind the curtain. And that is when you're uh, looking to pick up those players that maybe other, uh, other um, uh, participants in your league have uh, forgotten about. Yeah, I just want to add one more thing on Tom Brady. You mentioned that he has the week 13 bye. Tom Brady, historically coming off a of bye, is a very elite fantasy play. He's somebody that whenever he comes off a of bye has always played well. Granted, every single one of his buys until now has been with Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. They also tend but, to come, just to add to that, they also tend to come in the middle of the season or earlier. I've never seen Tom have a, have a bye this late in the season, so – It'll be interesting to, to It'll watch. It'll probably help yeah. him. It's got to come at the right time. That's what I'm saying. Right. right. I think it's going to help him out. I really do. I think in week 14 at home against Minnesota, he's a fine play. And then he gets Atlanta and Detroit. So if you need to play Tom Brady in week 14 because of your roster restrictions, just to be able to play him against Atlanta in week 15, I'm fine taking the swing on that. I do think coming off of by him and Bruce Arians are going to be on the same page and they'll be fine to get you through. Two uh, potential streamers you can get for free, maybe even off a waiver wire still that you can back up, is Ryan Tannehill and Tom Brady. Ryan Tannehill at Jacksonville, a top five matchup for Ryan Tannehill in week 14. And then Tom Brady at Atlanta, top five matchup uh, in week 15. And for Tom Brady, he has both week 15 and 16 inside. So they're road games, but they're indoors. So you don't have to worry about elements there. Awesome, boys. All right, let's move on here to running backs. So when looking at the, let's say the, 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 the breakdown here in terms of top five, top 10, bottom 10, bottom five, there's a couple of interesting patterns here that I think uh, we sort of need to talk about. It's very difficult to completely shut out any type of, let's say, running back uh, on any given week just because the in, I think it's a combination of the injuries and also uh, the amount of depth spots in, on a particular roster that would roster a running back. So it's very difficult to just completely not play a running back that you might need to play. But I will mention this. There's a couple of things that are worth noting. The first is a very obvious situation. For those of you who have Derrick Henry and have kept them all season, congratulations, you've at least won the running back one lotto because he has undoubtedly the easiest playoff schedule uh, for weeks 14 through 16. Okay, so he's at Jacksonville in week 14, he's got Detroit in week 15, and then he's got Green Bay, who is the worst uh, running back uh, against defense for the league. So congratulations, you've won a champ, uh, let's say let's say a chance to ship uh, for, your, for your team, okay? Hypothetically speaking, that your team's so good. That being said, boys, we have some other potential autos, right? We'll call them autos, like automatics. Uh, we got CMC coming back. He's got Denver Green Bay at Washington is his toughest matchup in the championship week. You got uh, Aaron Jones, we'll consider that an automatic play. You got James Robinson, a potentially automatic play up against Tennessee, the banged up Baltimore Ravens, and then a fairly difficult Chicago team, but didn't look very good yesterday uh, against the Green Bay Packers. Um, a potentially automatic play in Austin Eckler, an automatic play in Dalvin Cook, although he's had a very difficult playoff schedule. If you have Dalvin Cook, you already know this. My question for you guys, I have two particular questions I want to throw out here. The first is, is Alvin Kamara an all of a sudden an automatic play? Okay, and we'll get, we can get into his, his, uh, his schedule. And does the newfound running back by committee on the Dallas Cowboys 
eliminate Zeke from automatic play for most teams. So Alvin Kamara and Ezekiel Elliott. I can dive in on Alvin real quick. Alvin Kamara was my trending down player in the playbook just a week ago. And it really does stem around the, you know, the creation of the Taysom Hill offense. And it's the same thing we've seen in Arizona. All of a sudden, the running back's not getting the goal line work. The quarterback is getting the goal line work. Kyler Murray has 10 rushing touchdowns. Taysom Hill is getting all the rushing touchdowns for New Orleans now. On top of that, you saw New Orleans in this situation where they were blowing out Denver. They took Kamara off the field. They gave the ball to Latavius Murray. There are so many scenarios in which Alvin Kamara does not have the upside that he used to have. He is no longer a locked and loaded RB1, okay? He has the RB1 upside every week because he is Alvin Kamara. He's one of the most gifted running backs in the NFL. But to me, he is now a mid-tier RB2, and that sucks to say. So that's where I'm at on Kamara. I don't know if you guys are feeling the same way, if you guys are concerned. I'm certainly concerned about I'm certainly concerned about Alvin Kamara overall. Um, the last two games with Taysom Hill, uh, of course, two weeks ago, um, he had one. It was the first game in his entire career he did not have a reception. He had one target, no receptions. First time in his career. All right. Last week he had a couple more. Over the last two games, he has three targets, three targets, one reception, negative two total yards, catching the ball. Alvin Kamara can get 50, 60 and a quarter easy. We've seen him do it. Here's what I'm going to say. I don't like Alvin Kamara because of what he is in this offense with Taysom Hill. I'm not against Latavius Murray, who's an afterthought in this offense when Alvin Kamara is healthy. With, with, and we saw it on Sunday. When Taysom Hill is in there, Latavius Murray is getting actually more of the work in this kind of wildcat offense. So I like Latavius Murray. Again, though, I just mentioned, let's not forget about Drew Brees. 11 fractured ribs is no joke. And they are well set to make the NFL playoffs, so they're going to rest him as long as they possibly can. So there is a chance that he doesn't play for the rest of our season in fantasy. That's a realistic chance. So you may not get Drew Brees, so you may not get Alvin Kamara, in which case it's Latavius Murray or Bust, and they'll just pass in general. Yeah. But if Brees does come back and we can utilize Alvin Kamara, do not drop him and be silly. If you can trade them, do that, and it's still time. Otherwise, you're going to have to eat it. And I'll tell you right now, this is the Eric move. This is the benching a huge name yeah. because it is the best move, and it sucks. I'm the number one Alvin Kamara fan, but I am. there's no way I'm playing him anytime soon. Yeah, I'll just add one thing to that, Sky. I, and I forget what quarterback. He's a retired quarterback at this point. Wasn't necessarily a huge name, but then the name is escaping me. But if, we, if I said the name, everyone would be like, oh, yeah, I remember that quarterback. He, he had, there was a quote that he had, and I started on Instagram, and he talked about how he had one fractured rib. And to this day, it's like 10 years later since he's retired, to this day, he said he still wakes up in discomfort from that one fractured rib. And he was talking about what Drew Brees must be going through right now. So my guess is that I'm not a doctor. Actually, speaking of doctors, we will actually have Edwin Porras on, on the commission pod to talk about this. But that being said, my guess is he's not going to come back for the regular season. There's no need for it. I agree. And in that case, Alvin Kamara is unusable. So I think that we're kind of all agreeing that Alvin Kamara is potentially out if Drew Brees is not back. Um, Lucas, how are you feeling about Zeke? It's tough for me because, like, the general advice I would be is, I would say is 
say Z goes for three touchdowns and he goes back to normal and everyone be like, well, I should have played him. He's Zeke. So more often than not, I would say you just play him, I guess. But it, but it is tough. Obviously, we've talked about it all year, um, kind of the trending downward of this team. We thought last week the Cowboys were going to be able to show that they could be an average team. And clearly, that was clearly wrong. But I think the one thing that definitely stood out, I don't have the exact snap, snap share numbers, but like Zeke basically got benched last week for like yeah. no reason. Like, I don't think he was playing bad or anything. But like well, he fumbled. He straight up got benched. Yeah. Which I mean, I mean, running backs fumble, whatever. But they they basically just put it in Alex Pollard and Pollard year. looked, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think the only thing I would say is like, don't get too crazy with your pivots, like, especially in the running back landscape this year. Like, I'm sure you might have a pivot if you have, but no one has a pivot if they have Kamara at this point, right? Like, there's no need to pick up these guys and even try worry about playing them. So unless your pivot is. I don't know, Gibson. Like, I'm not playing Wayne Gallman over Alvin Kamara. Like, I know that it seems, like, legit that you might want to try that, but it's just, like, it's not a thing, I guess, for me. But for you guys, maybe different. You guys are all pointing at me. Trying to <laughs> Josh, can, can, I, I, go, go can I go? Or do you want to go? <sighs> well, I was going to give a situation, but I want to hear your scenario first. What do you got? Uh, well, so I was going to make a pivot on the spreadsheet real quick, and I was going to ask you guys uh, uh, regarding these running back by committees – which of the running back by committees would you start, let's say, over a guy like an Alvin Kamara? And the one that stands out to me is DeAndre Swift based on his schedule and how he's yeah, been playing. That's that's who I would say. Okay. Like, it has to be someone where, like, the upside is huge. Because you're not going to be playing Philip Lindsay over – like, I mean, I guess you could, but, like, it, it would not make – I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense to, like, try and even risk – try and risk players that are risky in general over Alvin Kamara, which I get is risky, but, like, you're not normally starting those guys, so it just seems like it's a big gap to me. But Swift seems like the last two weeks when he was the full starter that he was the full starter. Um, obviously, we'll see how it works with post-injury or post-injury. Yeah, post-injury, new coach, kind of how that trends. But you have a week to see this week pending he plays. And then the Green Bay's run defense has pretty much been a funnel all year, so I don't mind that one, I would say. But the other committees – I just, I mean, Cam Akers maybe, considering he took the, the lead in the snaps. So that could be a swing at the end of the year. But besides that, it's kind of tough for me to try and mess with it too much. I'll throw out what everybody's thinking here. Let's just do the obvious, the elephant in the room for the last month of fantasy football. Uh, Jonathan Taylor and Zeke Elliott, right? So let's just go through it. I mean, Zeke Elliott has at Cincinnati, San Francisco 49ers, Philadelphia Eagles, 14, 15, 16. Jonathan Taylor has at the Raiders, Houston Texans, and at Pittsburgh. Nobody loves at Pittsburgh, but I don't like at Philadelphia either right now. So it sounds like, I mean, Jonathan Taylor's probably your, you know, your third string running back anyway at the beginning of the season, maybe the second or even first with injuries these days. But that is, again, another move where Jonathan Taylor has been gut-wrenching all season long. But now we're getting to the point where last week before he, you know, got into the COVID protocol, he finally had a breakout week. Now it was against Green Bay, so it's like we expected it, um, and we've been talking about how bad they are against the run. But if that's the – and he's going to be what he's going to be, I want to roll Jonathan Taylor and not Zeke Elliott. I just looked up Zeke Elliott's snap share. was up in the 80s and the 90s, obviously, with Dak Prescott early in the season. It's been trickling, trickling, trickling. The last three weeks, it's been in the mid-60%. 60% snap share. That's not carries. That's snap share in general. Tony Pollard started in the teens. He is now up in the high 30s. So they are clearly like 
much closer to RBBC than anybody wants to know. And if you're not watching Cowboy football for some reason, he doesn't show up in the stat sheet a lot, but Tony Pollard is the truth. So they are absolutely giving him the work. So it's honestly, yep. I am not, I'm not excited about Zeke Elliott at all. Um, the 49ers are getting healthy. Philadelphia is a joke on offense, but they're competitive in that shitty division because their defense is legit. Cincinnati is a cakewalk. That's easy. But Jonathan Taylor's got the Raiders as well. So for me, it's JT over Zeke. Now in the championship, I'm going to take Zeke because I'm not going to play anybody against the, the Steelers. But you got to get to the championship to play the championship. Yeah, ahead, dude, I'm with you. This was the one that I had circled was Jonathan Taylor's playoff schedule because he has been incredibly inconsistent, but he looks so good against Green Bay. He finally looked like he found his vision that he had in college and had lost for the first 10 is, years of his NFL career. So is that, is that him finding his vision or is that Green Bay being horrendous against everybody? Know. And that's, that's why I'm trying to back. figure the out. Funnel, yeah. And that's why I'm taking a step back. And funnel. I'm looking at – yeah. It could be the funnel. I'm looking at how Jonathan Taylor plays against Houston this week. And I know Houston does not have a good run defense, but it's the exact same team he's playing in week 15. If he plays well against Houston in week 13, that's who I'm going to roll out in week 15 against Houston. This is Jonathan Taylor. So I'm keeping a very close eye on what we see out of him. And that's when I'll make the decision. But back to what you said about Tony Pollard and Zeke, Tony Pollard is legit. He kept Daryl Henderson on the bench. He kept Antonio Gibson lining up as a wide receiver. Tony Pollard is a real running back who has all of a sudden been viewed as a special teamer and a a, a 2C option where it just doesn't feel like he can actually be a running back. But Tony Pollard is the real deal. So don't sleep on Pollard. He is an option for you. If Zeke continues to go down and you suffer a running back injury in the playoffs, maybe you go out there and you get Tony Pollard. If you have Zeke, you should have Tony Pollard on your roster already. Love it. Anything else, guys? Lucas, did they have one more thing to say? Uh, no, this is the, the run funnel, which we talked about. Um, you saw last night, even David Montgomery had like a 60-yard run. So I think it was yeah. a little bit of that. Um, but like we said, it's the whole competitive, like they haven't had a run game. The Colts haven't had a run game. All, I mean, they have like in a certain capacity, but they haven't had a run game with the upside of Jonathan Taylor. So that, if they can build off that uh, to kind of secure their playoffs, they're going to do that. And that obviously will help with, um, with the fantasy value for them. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor Jonathan Taylor is a little bit extra tricky too because it's not just the talent like are we going to actually see him make the cuts turn into the back at Wisconsin that we all fell in love with the arguably number one pick in all of our minds coming in before CEH surprised everybody and then you know it was basically Jonathan Taylor and, and DeAndre Swift coming into the season and then they got drafted and then it was CEH yada yada um, it's not just his talent personally it's what the Colts are going to actually do um the Colts are playing Naheem Hines as their starting running back, even when Jonathan Taylor's right. And, of course, they have Jordan Wilkins as well. And we know that Phillip Rivers wants to throw the ball first, even though he can't anymore. So it's going to be interesting, not only Jonathan Taylor himself, but how they're going to actually uh, utilize that backfield in Indianapolis. And just a quick reference, if anybody didn't catch it, uh, Josh brought up uh, Daryl Henderson, Antonio Gibson, Tony Pollard. That was back in college. So they were all at Memphis, and Tony Pollard was the lead guy there. So, again, if Zeke gets a hiccup or fumbles one more time, he's no longer Zeke. The Cowboys are shitty. They're not in the playoff race 
where they need to, well, they are in their division, I guess, but they're not having to push Zeke out there just because he's Zeke. If he's not doing it well, which we've seen the last couple of days or the last couple of weeks, it could be Tony Pollard coming in. So again, you have to play week by week and everybody wants to think ahead of the championship. We're talking about championship weekend right now because you need to know about it, but you have to win this week. You have to get into the playoffs. You have to win week 14. You have to win week 15 and you have to even participate. There's only going to be two people per league that participate in that championship. So we got to get there before we get too excited. Yeah, I agree, dude. I'm, I'm going to add one more thing here just to kind of cap it off and then we can move on to wide receivers. But the whole Zeke situation, I think, I think uh, you know, Josh labeled Alvin Kamara kind of a mid-tier RB2. I mean, if he's a mid-tier RB2, then, then Zeke is, is just a straight-up RB3. And it's because his – well, we've seen his floor. His floor is, you know, maybe two points. Maybe, you know, no fumble, five points. And he just doesn't have the ceiling – that you need out of an RB1 anymore. It's just not there. He's not getting any of the passing work, and he's not getting nearly the opportunities on the goal line or even in the red zone because the team just isn't even getting to the red zone. And if they do, it might be Tony Pollard's, you know, it might be the Tony Pollard show as far as we know. So this is not guaranteed that's going to happen. Yes, guys. Last point, and we'll move on. I'm just going to rattle off quickly all of the point, the week totals for Zeke Elliott on the entire season. 27. 24, 17, 22, and 23 with Dak Prescott. After that 16, here's where you might end up throwing up. So turn your cameras off. Six, eight, nine, 22 on accident versus Minnesota with his first 100-yard uh, game with two touchdowns. 4.9 points last week. Not even five points last week. Yes. 10 carries Terrible. for 32 yards. And again, it gets tough. He's Baltimore this week. It's going to be ugly, although they're ravaged, so he might get away with that one. But he's got Cincinnati. But then again, San Francisco and Philadelphia are no joke against the runs. So, yo, Zeke Elliott's really, really making me nervous for the, for the postseason, as is Alvin Kamara. And those are – and Dalvin Cook even, if you want to talk about schedule strictly. Three of the top four running backs that are still healthy from draft season are almost unusable borderline in the playoffs, and that just adds yep. to the chaos of the season. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And just one more thing, one more thing. I swear, this is going to be the last thing. For any of you who are thinking week 14, Zeke has, you know, at Cincinnati, thinking that's a good matchup, Cincinnati's not bad. They're not a bad team. They're not bad against the run. So don't think that you're just going to get this team that's, you know, not going to be able to, uh, you know, uh, stop stop the run. Like, they're not bad. So I'll just leave that at that. They're right, missing boys. key players, and, and they're finally getting healthy. So yep. Geno Atkins ends up up in the middle they're all of a sudden not a cakewalk. Exactly, exactly, man. All right, let's move on, boys. Wide receivers, uh, unlike the running back scenario, uh, primarily with, let's say, a Tennessee Titans, Derrick Henry, cakewalk schedule, not necessarily a ton of, let's say, uh, fluid or easy matchups from start to finish in the playoffs for wide receivers. Uh, Most of the wide receivers may be outside of the Chicago Bears, but you're not going to start many of the Chicago Bears wide receivers have a good matchup from start to finish. So Josh, do you want to help us walk through the wide receiver matchups, ones that maybe you're feeling best about and the ones that you're not? Yeah, I mean, I can. So the clear wide receiver matchup that I'm liking has no solution to it. And so that is Kenny Galladay of the Detroit Lions. Galladay is not there. I don't trust Marvin Jones. So while they have a nice playoff schedule, 
I don't think I'm going near any Detroit wide receivers. So when I pivot away from that, the other team that I look at, I'm going right back to the LA well out there with the Rams. They get the Jets in Seattle. While it's good for the quarterback, it's great for the receivers out there with the Jets and the Seahawks. I already talked about how I feel about their match with the Patriots. And the other team that really stands out is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And you really do have to make some decisions here with the Bucs because they play Minnesota, they play Atlanta, and they play Detroit. We like all of those matchups for the most part. But who's the wide receiver one? Like Mike Evans, obviously, when you're inside the 10 is the guy. Chris Godwin looked great this week. But Antonio Brown still seems to be the, the, you know, the Valentine of Tom Brady. Every time he gets the ball, he's looking at number 81. So um, to me, it's Tampa Bay and the Rams that have a nice schedule. I don't know. What do you think, Sky? I want to pop quiz you guys on the spot here. We didn't talk about this pre, but I just want to see where your guys' heads are at. I'm just thinking about it right now. Let's right now on the spot go round robin, rank the four pass catchers for the Buccaneers right now. How do you rank, for fantasy purposes, the four pass catchers? Obviously, it's Evans, Godwin, Brown, and I'll throw Gronk in there as well. So uh, I'll go first, give you guys just a second, but I want to rank those four for the listeners because – we may have some different answers um, for fantasy purposes. I'm going to go with Evans. Then I'm going to go with Gronk. Uh, then I'm going to go, I think for fantasy, um, I lean Antonio Brown almost just with the target here. And then Chris Godwin, I know this seems insane to say it that way because of where our heads were at uh, th- two months ago in draft season. But for me personally, it's Evans Gronk a B who is yet to really break out, but he's on the verge. And Chris Godwin, who in my opinion is just kind of the fly on the wall amongst the group. You guys maybe can convince me otherwise. Let's go around the horn. Uh, Chris, then Josh, then Lucas. Yeah, no, dude, I think you're right. I'll keep it short. I'll just kind of add this. Look, in our home league, we keep a short bench. And we talk about this every once in a while. And for newer listeners, um, you know, DM me on Instagram at the Commission FFP. I'll tell you all about the home league. But in our home league, we have a short bench. And Chris Godwin got dropped for AB. So just to give you guys a heads up, like, you know, it's kind of a high stakes league in a sense. And we put a lot of money on it. So we, you know, we pay close attention to what the hell is going on. I know people who are listening to fantasy world podcast also care about this kind of stuff, but to put into context, we put our money where our mouth is. We took basically on, on one team, AB over Chris Godwin, Chris Godwin got dropped. Um, and then, then I'd agree with you. Gronk has basically showed up in the target game for Tom Brady and they find open spots for him, especially in zone coverage. So yeah, Evans touchdown gives him a floor far better than any of the any other receivers or pass catchers. Then it's got to go Gronk. Then I agree with you, A.B., then Chris Godwin. I'm honestly shocked. Um, my number one is still Chris Godwin. I think Chris Godwin is my guy. Shocked. And I'm honestly shocked, Josh. I know, and it's because of volume and because of where he's going to end up lining up. I, as far as I've seen, I got to look into the numbers on this because it's a pop quiz. I haven't done all my research. I think Antonio Brown's has been ha- – wow, Antonio Brown has been lining up outside more than Godwin has. And if Brady loves his slot receivers, it's still going to be Godwin. The last two games, Godwin has seen 10 targets and nine targets. And the two weeks prior, he saw six of each, which is nothing to be, you know, nothing to be afraid of. It, I just don't understand why all of a sudden it feels like Chris Godwin is dead. Yeah, he missed the game against the Giants, and he missed two games earlier in the season. But he's never had less than six targets in a game, and he's only had less than five receptions in one game. So Chris Godwin is not dead. 
he is a free agent at the end of the season. So for dynasty purposes, it's a whole different conversation. But in redraft, Chris Godwin is my number one because he is not touchdown dependent. For me, Mike Evans is going to be my number two because while he is touchdown dependent, he's the most touchdown reliable guy out there. Um, so Mike Evans will be my number two. I'll go Gronk at three because there's just so much scarcity at the tight end position that you have to like the option of playing Gronk out there. He's the tight end eight in PPR formats, and he started off slowly because he'd been out of the league for a year. And then I'll go Antonio Brown. But that said, if you all of a sudden say which one has the most upside on a week-to-week basis, like all of a sudden one guy pops off for 130 and two, it's probably going to be Antonio Brown. So it's a whole big issue in Tampa Bay, but the guy I'm most comfortable starting is still Chris Godwin. Lucas, where are you at? I think I kind of like the way you said it is like Gronk is the most valuable because of the tight ends. Like, I, I mean, I don't have Gronk in any leagues because I just took Travis Kelsey or Andrews and I like good football players. Sorry, Sky. Um, so, so I'd rank Gronk one just because he's so valuable to your team in general. And then I would go Evans just because of the touchdown. Um, and I, I, it sucks because Godwin is matchup dependent to me, but he's not matchup dependent. It's that Tom Brady and Arians can't get him the ball the way he should be getting it like we saw last year. So, like, it's, it's nothing is holding this – well, there's one person holding this team back, um, the quarterback here. But I think that it's Gronk, Evans, Godwin, and I'd go Watch Brown. Because Brown's targets, like you said, the – that, I mean, he's just, he's just bad. I mean, people finally realize it this year. Um, <laughs> the, I think Valentine was the word. Like, then you can definitely tell that, like, that when, when A.B. gets targeted, it is in dire, like, there's nobody else open. He just throws it to A.B. It's terrible targets, non-plus EV targets, and it's not turning – I mean, it's turning into fantasy points if you're playing PPR, but it's, it's not worth anything for your fantasy team. So, I'd be, I think the Gronk and the Evans call at the top. Um, are good call and I mean like I'm going to play Goblin every week in the leagues I have him but I feel like the the coaching style is definitely holding him back and making him kind of matchup dependent uh, a little bit I agree we want to have a uh, little side bet here on this on who has the most fantasy points we'll give Gronk tight end premium scoring two points per reception I think that's cheating for Gronk because he's I mean two I'm going to take Gronk Exactly. One, no one shit. And a half is, we can discuss offline, but we can uh, find something fair on tight end premium. I'm, and- I'm I'm into that. I'm into that. I want to talk about one more receiving group here uh, amongst the um, receivers. We'll move on to tight ends. I know we're getting long in the tooth already on the episode, uh, and then we'll get a quick DST recap. Let's talk about the Vikings really quick. Adam Thielen missed last week um, because of the COVID situation, uh, but he has been absolutely phenomenal. Justin Jefferson clearly is I think, I mean, now because of his, his dancing and because he's an animal, we're finally giving him, him props. But nobody talked about Jeff, Justin Jefferson until about three weeks ago amongst this incredible um, wide receiving core uh, coming out of, of college. Now, both those guys are on the map. We just talked for five minutes about how difficult that Dalvin Cook schedule is. I look at the Vikings receiving schedule – at Tampa Bay, don't love that. Chicago, brutal. Saints, brutal. And then you get the Lions, but that's not until week 17. So if you're playing week 16 championship, you got the Bucks, who have been good against everybody not named the Chiefs, and the Chiefs don't count. You get the Bears, who have been very good. And you get the um, uh, Saints as well. Really quickly, guys, are you concerned at all about, like, a run-first option there in, in, in Minnesota? Or do you think that – 
they're going to have the opportunity to kind of like tone back Dalvin Cook, which would suck for running back people that have Dalvin Cook, but then look at those wide receivers instead. But they don't even have great matchups. Then I turn to, do I trust Kirk Cousins? The answer is always no for me personally. I, I'm not saying you sit these guys. I'm more just kind of like if you had a better option in that particular week. Like I'll just look right here on the schedule on a quick glance. I've got Pittsburgh get Cincinnati. All those receivers get Cincinnati. The Vikings get the Bears, which is terrible, and the Rams get the Jets. I would rather play any of the Rams receivers and really any of the Steelers receivers over probably both Vikings receivers personally in week 15 based on matchup. Yes, guys. So I'll just uh, – I think, I think I agree with you. I'm not in love with it, and the reason I'm not in love with it is because – of the teams that the Vikings are playing, so Tampa, Chicago, and New Orleans, actually each of those matchups are not good for the quarterback either. So you don't – it's – look, again, when we put this, it's more of a visual. Everyone will kind of see the, the color schemes that we have here. It's not always the case that a tough quarterback matchup will result in the wide receivers uh, also having a, you know, quote-unquote tough, tough matchup that week. That's not always the case. But in this particular case, the Vikings schedule for quarterbacks for Kirk Cousins does have a tough matchup against the Bears and then obviously has the brutal sort of, you know, matchup against the New Orleans Saints. That actually does cor- correlate nicely into the tough matchup that the wide receivers will see. So that being said, uh, it's not necessarily looking great. Now, what makes matters even worse is that Dalvin Cook, we've already talked about this, also has a tough matchup. So these teams are great against quarterbacks receivers and running backs across the board meaning these offenses in general are going to have a tough time getting started or I should say this offense the the Vikings offense will have a tough time getting started uh especially in week 15 and 16 so I'm a little bit nervous to start um I guess yeah I guess you know Justin Jefferson and, and Adam Thielen although you'll probably think you have to I don't know maybe take a second look at it yeah, the only like pushback I would have on that, and that is like where I know beginning of the year we said we we're, we target receivers where it's not about how many pass attempts the team has, but it's about the volume of pass attempts that the target share, right? They get within that, and like to me, I feel like the matchups or the the game script haven't mattered for Jefferson and Thielen. They've been good pretty much all year. Uh, they both were good against Chicago two weeks ago. Um, I can feel him if he's healthy. I don't, he was on the COVID list. I don't know if he like actually has it or if he's hurt or whatever, but he'll play Tampa Bay in the slot against the worst slot corner in the last like five weeks. And Sean Murphy bunted clearly. I mean, Tyree Kill had like 240 receiving yards in the first quarter. So I would say like, yes, I would prefer Steelers players, but don't shy away just because the, I don't want to say the upside, the volume maybe wouldn't be there for Cousins to get the ball to him because the, when they have been throwing it to him, it's been really, really efficient the, the whole year, not just in a smaller sample. Yeah, agreed. Josh? I'll say one thing. I'm going to take a step back with this one, and I'm going to look at my matchup. And I don't mean the Vikings matchup. I mean my fantasy playoffs matchup. If I'm looking at the other team, and they're absolutely stacked, they have the Tyreek Hill, they have the Patrick Mahomes, whoever it is, then I'm going to take a flyer on these Vikings guys, these Adam Thielens and the Justin Jeffersons to pick me up 25 points. If I'm the number one and I have the Tyreek Kill and I have the Patrick Mahomes, I'm going to throw Juju in my lineup and expect 10 points from him. Make sure to get the floor. Yeah, I'm going to take the floor on a guy like that. So 
that's one thing that I will take a step back and look at in the playoffs and, you know, analyze which wide receiver do I prefer in my current situation. In a vacuum, I'm going to take the upside. I'm going to go for the Vikings wide receivers. And in saying that, Kirk Cousins is a guy that I don't want to go anywhere near in the playoffs. I don't want to play him at all because there is a chance that Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen puts up 120 yards and a touchdown and Kirk Cousins still only gets you 14 fantasy points because that's who Kirk Cousins is. So I will say I, I can go with either of those receivers over the Pittsburgh receivers in the right situation. We can go back to you, Sky. Last receiver question and we'll move on. Who would you guys rather have? They have the same schedule. Obviously, we'll talk about the Cowboys wide receivers, CeeDee Lamb or Amari Cooper with Andy Dalton. They have at the Bengals, San Francisco, and Philadelphia, then the Giants in Week 17. Quick round, Robin, which of those two receivers uh, would you trust throughout the playoffs with Andy Dalton, CeeDee Lamb or Amari Cooper? Chris? Yeah, I'm probably going to stick to Amari Cooper for volume's sake. I like CeeDee Lamb, but uh, he's a little too volatile for my taste in the playoffs. Josh? Same thing. Same here. Lucas? I don't even know. Both, I guess. I, Cooper, I, I would say. But I think Lamb has been like – that's. I know you keep asking me the question, uh, like in the previews or whatever. I just say take Lamb because he's getting the – I guess, check down or over the middle targets. And it's been getting 10 points a week. So if that's kind of like Josh said, what you need is the floor. I would say go land, but obviously Cooper showed last week that even with Dalton in the battle line that uh, he can perform well, but it was Thanksgiving. He always performs good on Thanksgiving. So that could be it too. Fair enough. I'll probably lean Cooper too, but uh, I think, I think, you know, CeeDee Lamb, I think is the number one there in Dallas next year, regardless. Let's move on to tight ends. All right. Yep. I agree, man. So yeah, uh, tight ends here. Um, again, a couple of autos and automatic starts, uh, you know, Travis Kelsey, I'd imagine everyone's going to start Darren Waller. You got to start TJ Hawkinson. And then a couple of teams with non-starts, Buffalo Bills, Carolina Panthers, the Bungles, um, Patriots, man. Talk about a team that's gone away from the, the tight end spot was the Patriots. Um, again, another situation where there aren't too many scenarios uh, that I'm in love with, I would say the potentials that I would say the potential flex start, or I should say week to week start that I like is potentially Kyle Rudolph Vikings uh, of the matchups. Uh, you know, talking about the you know, Chicago bears and the New Orleans saints and the bucks. They're actually pretty soft against the tight end. So Kyle Rudolph would be my start uh, if I had to flex any of those positions. I'm yeah, looking I'm at the. Uh, sorry. sorry, I was looking at the Patriots. <laughs> I was looking at the Patriots schedule. We have our true strength of schedule and our, our total points. And I just flipped over to the Patriots really quick just to look. And, and we know that they haven't used a tight end at all this season and all those years with Gronkowski and even Aaron Hernandez, of course. And um, back in the day, uh, and I'll throw one back for you, Chris and Josh, Ben Coates. Uh, ben Coates. Down. He liked that one. Um, number, number 88, I believe, correct? Uh, I'm going to throw out 87, but we can fact check that. Uh, either way, yeah. I'm not a Patriots fan. I'm just, you know, know my shit. Um, <laughs> I was looking, and I it was shocked to understand. <laughs> on the entire season, the Patriots have not had 87. Boom. The Patriots have not had Correct. one single week with a tight end over eight points. Yeah. They've been, they've been PPR. Bad. Eight PPR points, and they've had one, two, three, four games with zero points out of their tight end. I know we're not 
here to talk about the Patriots tight end, but I just had to, I was looking at that earlier today and I saw that and it was just blew my, blew my mind. Chris, to your point, man, there's a lot of teams in the tight end position, unfortunately, that we're just not even looking at. So Kelsey's automatic, you know, Waller's automatic, Andrews is automatic, Hawkinson's automatic at this point. But then you're looking at guys like Tunyon, Fant, Evan Ingram. Those are the guys, again, like the quarterback, you are going to be streaming. So let's, let's just take maybe a couple minutes and talk about some potential streaming options based on that, um, based on that schedule. Yes, like I said, I mean, I, I, would, I like the idea of streaming Kyle Rudolph. It doesn't look like Irv Smith is going to be taking much of that opportunity. He's still a bit banged up, and I don't, I'm not quite sure how healthy he is moving forward. So, um, yeah, so, again, I like the Kyle Rudolph play. I also like, and there's a guy that I wasn't too high on, is Evan Ingram. Uh, he does have a pretty stiff matchup in Arizona. They're, a, you know, they're considered a bottom 10, a tough matchup against the Giants, but then he's at Cleveland, and then he's at Baltimore, who is kind of average. So Evan Ingram, you could see, you know, if you drafted him and held on to Evan Ingram, he might pay off for you in the playoffs. One name I really like is Hayden Hurst. Um, He has top 10 matchups all the way across the board. Julio Jones is obviously banged up. Hayden Hurst is a bit beat up. So is Calvin Ridley, though. Uh, This whole receiving core, unfortunately, is beat up. But Hayden Hurst has a very favorable schedule, arguably the best overall schedule throughout the playoffs at the Chargers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home, at the Kansas City Chiefs, and then uh, Tampa Bay again in Week 17 if you play that. But all of those top 10 matchups, I like Hayden Hurst. We know the target share is there. We know the up-tempo offense is there. We know they don't run the game, the, the ball, and we can't count on Julio and Calvin Ridley being healthy at the exact same time. So I think Hayden Hurst is a great guy to get on waivers now if he's available and a stash because I think he can really start winning championships in the postseason. I've got two names for you. The first one, check your waivers for Eric Ebron. He's actually played pretty well the last few weeks, um, and he does have a relatively favorable playoff matchup. But the guy I really want to talk about is Hunter Henry. The last three weeks, he's been averaging 13-plus fantasy points, so he's been playing very well for Justin Herbert. He hasn't been getting the yards, but what tight end does? You hope you find the end zone with Hunter Henry, and if you don't, he might still get you five receptions. His floor is a lot higher than the other tight ends you're hoping for the touchdown upside. So I'll go to the wall with Hunter Henry and that Chargers offense. Awesome. We, right, talk about, we talk about the Saints really quick and yeah. uh, how we feel about Jared Cook with the Taysom Hill situation and everything else. I mean, usually he's a good streaming tight end, uh, but he's up, he's there with, you know, Noah Fant and Robert Tunyon and some of these guys, you know, Dalton Schultz, who's been reliable, but not a great schedule coming forward. Um, Yeah, not, not great. I'll just say that. (laughs) I don't feel good about anybody catching balls from Taysom Hill. I will say that he has not had a game with more than 40% snap rate in four straight weeks. Uh, I don't think that that is something to be ignored. He's not been on the field. You can't catch the ball. You're not in the field. You can't catch touchdowns when you're not in the field. I'm out on Jared Cook. I love the the passion on that one, Josh. It wouldn't wouldn't be a strength of uh, a a fantasy playoff strength of schedule episode if we don't give some love to the DSTs. Yes. Y'all know on the TCK pod, Lucas and I like to throw some love on the DSTs and the kickers when we can. We're going to save you the kickers. I'll let Eric handle kickers. I know that he loves kickers, but I will get into DSTs here. We need to talk about some DSTs that you can pick up and you can stream. And again, there's not many, there's not many teams that you even want, like the Cardinals, the Falcons, uh, the Bengals, the Lions, uh, the Texans for the most part, the Jaguars, Giants. I don't want those teams. But if we're looking at a couple, guy, a couple teams that have cake matchups, 
keep an eye on the Baltimore Ravens who are very injured and with the COVID issue. So they might be getting dropped, pick them up. Their schedule's ridiculous. They get, uh, uh, they get, um, let's see here. Lucas's Browns in a rivalry game. That's always a good one. Baker Mayfield's usually good for no passing attempts in an entire game. So you love that. They get Jacksonville, the Giants, and the Bungles to finish out the season. You love that. Keep an eye on the Browns themselves. They've actually been playing really well on defense. They're going to get um, – they should get uh, Denzel Ward back and Miles Garrett as well. The Cowboys, not sexy, but a great matchup uh, throughout the playoffs, and they should be getting healthy with Blayton Vander Esch coming back. A couple other names to look at streaming. The 49ers getting healthy as well. They get Washington, Dallas, and Arizona. The Seattle Seahawks playing very well lately with Jamal Adams coming back. They get the Jets, Washington, and the Rams. And then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who have been steady versus everybody except for those Chiefs. They get Minnesota, um, who, again, could be up in there with their game script. Atlanta, potentially without Julio or Ridley, depending on what they do. And then you get um, the uh, Lions as well. So just some streaming options if you don't have the automatic, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers or the Colts or the Saints or something. Keep an eye on those DSTs and don't be afraid to stack them. I have a couple leagues where I literally have three DSTs on my roster right now so I can cycle through them um, when I choose to. What is your guys' general uh, strategy with DSTs? And we'll kind of wrap it up on this. You brought, up, you brought it up with the stacking. And so here's the deal. I'm rolling into the playoffs and I want to make sure I have the Titans on my roster because they have a really nice playoff schedule. Yahoo has them at 26% owned. So odds are they're available in your league. And this is a little gross. It actually makes me really, really uncomfortable. But the other team I'm going to go out there and check for is the Houston Texans. I know they're not great. They're 13% owned in Yahoo leagues, but they're playing Cincinnati. It's not going to be Joe Burrow. You can make it Ryan Finley. You can make it Brandon Allen. I don't care who it is. They're going to turn the ball over at least two times. I'm going to stack those two teams. You play Tennessee in 14 and 15, and you roll out, and you cringe, and you close your eyes, and you play the Houston Texans in your championship. Yeah, I like the stack as well. I think the stack I'm going to go for here, uh, I'll just note one team. The New York Giants, all right? They're playing the, uh, they're playing the, the Hale Murrays, the Kyla Murrays, the Arizona Kyla Murrays, who are actually not that, uh, let's say, uh, tough, let's say, for, for defenses in a sense, right? They, score, they potentially score a lot of points, but uh, they, they're actually a plus matchup, a top 10 matchup for the Giants. And then they have Cleveland and they have Baltimore, who seem like they're pretty good, but they're not for offenses, Baker Mayfield, who I don't know how they're in three, but they are. I know, uh, Lucas, you're all about that. And then Baltimore, not really quite the same offense. So don't be scared by them. Get the New York Giants. They're available in most leagues. Eight and three for the third best record in the NFL, folks. Not a typo. Baker Mayfield threw his first passing touchdown in three weeks. Jarvis Landry had his first receiving touchdown in 10 weeks. Kareem Hunt didn't even get going, man. The Browns are, are here to stay. Mark it. Lucas, how do you feel? I, I mean, I went ahead and picked up the Niners and as many as I could, I would say. Um, and I think especially now we saw with Sherman back, they're, they're, they're right back to square one with creating turnovers. Um, so if you, if you can get them, I would say ride them the whole time and don't even worry about making any pivots. The Ravens are nice as well. Um, they should get a lot of their guys back. Um, but really it's just – I think the general tip is stay one week ahead. Um, if you made it to the play, 
this year's a little bit different. But if you made it to the playoffs, you most likely don't have to make a ton of roster moves. And a lot of people like to hold a ton of depth. And I guess I would rather hold depth at defense because by subtracting or by taking away all the good matchups, even if you hold three defenses, you're not letting your opponents get that. And a difference between eight points versus negative three, obviously, is 11 points. But there's a lot more to your lineup than maybe having a fifth receiver on your bench. So I would just say start stashing them. Uh, drop Keelan Cole, drop LaVisca Chanel, all these guys that you're never going to want to play. Um, pick up the handcuffs. If you still play kickers, um, I, I guess stream kicker. I don't, I don't really. Yeah, no, I like that play. Have, I like I have, that idea. Stream the uh, kickers. Mm-hmm. Sure. I, I, I don't even have any leagues with kickers. I'm not even for sure. I'm assuming like Tucker's the best. I don't really know the, <laughs> the right. <laughs> Young Hulk, but cool. But just, yeah, just, just hoard all the kickers, all the defense, um, and and uh, just create a lot of more confusion for your teammates while you sit and ride to the championship. Very good. Chris, quick question. Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, would you rather hold them or would you rather stash Travis Fulgham? <laughs> I'd rather play you the Bucs at this point. God, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even going to answer that one. Can, can, you play, can you play Bucs defense in the flex? For real. I wish I could. I was- Carson Wentz holding it down. You know what would be – I think would be a fun setting for another season would be to have a DST be able to be a flex position. So you could play two if they were that dominant because, uh, man, a good week from a DST is pretty pretty sweet. I yeah, think we got uh, it, boys. ESPN tends to be more, uh, let's say, flexible on that one than, than some others. So it's always possible. Anything's possible at this point. So, all right, boys, I think that's it. I think we got it to the end. A lot of data, a lot of unpacking. We went through each categorical breakdown, quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, tight ends, DSTs. Sky Guasco, Lucas Case from the TCK pod. Boys, uh, I know this is obviously going to be on your podcast, but for the commish crew, where can we find you? Uh, website, podcast, and social media handles. We have a podcast, the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, a.k.a. TCK Pod. You can find anywhere you listen to your podcast. We just went over 300 episodes. We're approaching 320 here next week. We have Chris and Josh and the rest of the crew on pretty frequently. So go check us out there. Give us a five-star rating and review. We much appreciate it. Check us out on Instagram, fantasyfootball underscore TCK Pod, and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. Also, Lucas, really quick, I'll pass it on to you. What can they find on the website and uh, can they get their hands on all of this data if they'd like to? Yeah, on the website, um, tckpod.com, you can go on the range of outcomes tab. Should take you to a link to a Google doc or a Google sheet. You cannot edit that, but you can make a copy. Uh, you can view that if you want to like actually, I don't know, whatever you'd want to change or filter it or whatever, just hit make a copy and you can mess with it for whatever you choose. And if you have any questions, just reach out to, any of us four or whatnot, we have a group chat that will bounce the questions around. Um, but yeah. Love it. And Chris, for the TCK Potters, when we're repurposing this episode too, please let us know where we can find all the commission stuff. Yes, absolutely. We appreciate everyone's input here. Uh, you know, again, just, just the amount of work that goes into recording the pod, um, you know, the, uh, just you know, the breakdown of, the, of, of what we've been doing week to week, putting this, this spreadsheet together that is on the TCK pod website um we do this obviously because we really much enjoy the interactions with the community and we like to provide as much data as possible so we're very appreciative of all the support that we get from week to week and of course throughout throughout the seasons that we're doing this so um anybody can you know obviously go check us out uh www.thecommissionbrand.com go copy yourself a newsletter the playbook it is free on the website You uh, you can go put your name your email address 
uh, and we will get that to you every Tuesday. It's actually going to be dropping the day that this probably drops, this, this recording. Uh, and then, of course, go follow us over on our social media handles at the Commission FFP on TikTok, Twitter, and on Instagram. We are very active on both Twitter and Instagram. We love interacting uh, with our supporters and all the users that follow us. So certainly go do that. Um, and then, Josh, you have a handle as well, my man? Yeah, you can find me in two places. You can find me uh, on Twitter at Josh underscore FF. And then you can find me on Yahoo in the standings at the top of the Commission Home League, as well as on Sleeper in the standings at the top of the TCK Listener Rookie League. Find me out here and then go back, circle back, find me on Twitter, Josh underscore FF. Before we go, this is very important. I'm sorry, guys. Somebody stall. I have to fact check something very quickly. So it takes just so, a couple of clicks. Am I oh, in honestly, second now? Is that why you're fact checking? Hold on. Hold on. So, hold so next on. year, me and Josh might be the only ones in the, the veteran league, it sounds. We, we might have to get the updates for the veteran league. I've so, never – yeah, I've never seen I've never seen a league, the veteran league, have such a close margin of error here. All right, folks, check this out. Chris and I break down the TCK Pod, the Candlestick Kids Listener League. We break it down every single Friday. So tune in on Friday. Chris and I will get into this week. Chris and I are are trying to make the playoffs. All right. Now we are in the veteran league. It's it's a long story, but basically it just means we were in it last year and we moved on. Josh joined us this year. So he's in the quote-unquote rookie league. It has nothing to do with his ability or how long he's been playing. So is Dweez, mm-hmm. our boy Dweez Nuts on the, on the TCK league, uh, side. These guys are up at the top. Now, just fact-checking, and this is just facts. This is no opinion at all. Just facts. Dweez, who's the TCK representative, is 9-2 and two in the rookie league. Josh, the commission representative, is 8-3. and three. So he's so close but not quite there. Check those and, points for though, huh, Sky? Check those and, points for. And, <laughs> hey, wins. Points for hey, don't ask, matter. Ask the Browns, dude. Wins are wins. So, <laughs> we, uh, a sneak peek to Friday. Tune in on Friday for Chris and I to break this whole thing down. Sneak peek. Josh and Dweez play each other in week 13 for first place. Well, they playing each other for first place. And Chris and I are trying to stay in the league and make the playoffs. Luke is trying to defend the title from last year. There's a lot going on in the TCK pod. Listen to the league. Y'all tune in on Friday. It's been a pleasure. You guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We have a lot of fun doing this. Go check out the spreadsheet. Go give likes and follows, and we'll catch you next time. Always a pleasure, y'all. Thanks, boys. Take it easy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.